Good morning. I am glad and sad to share this moment with you. It's been a, a long ride. It's been a long ride, but a good one. You know, it's been a process. Thinking just now, I was thinking in the back about how we got from the plane ride to, to this. And um, man, it's a lot. It's a lot. But it's been very good. It's been very good. Um, the process of building this church has been full of joy. Um, I can truly say, I don't know if this is just 100% God's grace or what it, what, it's been, what it is, but it hasn't been everything that everyone told me it was going to be and in the best way possible. I heard a lot of, oh, you're going to have this happen, you're going to have this happen, and, and, and all this. And truthfully, that stuff has not really happened. It hasn't really happened. It's been a pretty smooth ride. Uh, it's been a pretty smooth ride up to this point. And um, I just want to thank you, HRCC, for the ways that you've supported me personally, my wife, and, and this church plant. Um, and you've, you've been great. You're a great parent church to us. And, you know, this isn't, this isn't the end. You know, we have a long relationship still to go with HRCC. Um, but this is our last Sunday with you. And, and we'll be in Glen Ellen next week worshiping alongside you in the spirit, but just not present with you in, in body. Um, that's okay. Hey, I was just discerning as I came to the, uh, Dan asked me to, to preach one last time. And I was just praying with the Lord, uh, what, what should I speak about? What should I speak about? And I feel like the Lord reminded me of Colossians 2, 6, and 7, uh, which will be on the screen for you. It reads this. Paul says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul was telling the church in, in Colossae, he was saying, the way that you started is the way that you should continue going. You see, there's some things that we never grow out of. There's some things that we never get too mature for as the body of Christ, as Christians. You never get too mature to stop praying. You never get too mature to stop reading the Word, seeking the gifts, meeting with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You never get too mature for those things. And you see, over the past couple of months, as a team, as Access Church, we've been sorting through who we are as a church and who our identity as is as a church. And we've talked about some of these things. What does it look like to have the Word of God as our foundation? What does it look like to establish a prayer life as a church? What does it look like to seek gifts as a church for the sake of Glen Ellen? What does it look like to start these things? And I felt like the Lord said, Garrett, the things that you are teaching the church right now to start doing are the things that you're always going to be doing. And so this morning, HRCC, I want to share with you what I've been sharing with our launch team. Because it's just as applicable for you as it is for us. Because we never get too mature for these things. The very things that we're beginning to do as a new church are the very things that you should continue to do as an established church. If you have your Bibles today, would you open up to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be in the first five chapters of Acts. Um, and we're going to jump around a little bit. But if you want to open up to the first chapter, we're going to be in the first six verses there. I'm going to go ahead and read this while you're getting there. It says this, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day he was taken up to heaven, 
after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? The first thing that I want to leave with you today is this. Do not stop thinking big. Don't stop thinking big. You see, what the disciples displayed right here in this moment is what I think is big thinking. Because Jesus, he proposes this outpouring of the gift of the Spirit. And they knew that this was going to be an end time event. They knew that as good good Jews that had studied the word, they knew that when the Spirit was going to come and be poured out, that this was a big deal. And this had to do with restoration. You see, big thinking revolves around a word the disciples used, which was restore. If you want to know how to be a big thinker, you need to know what the word restore means. Because that is, in the kingdom, what big thinking is all about. They said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? How do we get there? How do we get big thinking out of that one question? Well, they said, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You need to take a step back and look at the situation that Israel was in. Israel knew that they were a chosen people. They knew that they had a unique identity in the eyes of God, in the eyes of Yahweh, who chose them and who sent them to be a people that represented Him in the world. The fact of the matter is, Israel didn't do a very good job of falling through on that, did they? They failed time and time again. They grumbled against God. They bowed down to other idols and other deities. They were often overthrown by other nations because of their idol worship. God warned them time and time again. If you say, he said, if you don't remain faithful to me, if you don't stop what you are doing, I will turn you over to other nations to rule over you. Israel, after hundreds of years, was so far from the picture that God originally had and cast for them of who they should be. And at this very moment, Israel was ruled by the Romans. They were being oppressed by the Romans, taken advantage of by the Romans. They were being overtaxed by the Romans. They were in a lot of despair and pain. And anybody that knew anything about the original picture of Israel would know how far off they truly were from what God originally said that they should be. So put yourself in their shoes for a moment, knowing all that. And then Jesus says, I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit right now. Well, they knew, wait a second, that means restoration for Israel. That means restoration for Israel. That means all these broken things that we know to be true, all this pain, all this brokenness in our relationships and in our bodies, that means that you're going to restore it now. 
You're going to fix it. You're going to bring an end to it. Now, Jesus wasn't literally talking about their restoration as a nation, as we know. They were not given power over Rome right there in an instant. But Jesus was talking about a new kind of empowerment. But what I just want to point out there is the fact that the disciples said, this situation's really bad, but because Jesus is here, because Jesus is here, it can be restored. It can be restored. And that is what big thinking revolves all around. Is that because God, because God is here, this can be restored. Doesn't matter how far gone your marriage may be. Doesn't matter how broken your body may be. Doesn't matter how far gone a relationship may be. If God is there, it can be restored. It can be restored. You see, another thing that happens here is that when Jesus begins to communicate this idea of the Spirit being poured out, I don't know exactly what the disciples were doing. Maybe they were sitting down, or maybe some of them were pacers. Anybody a pacer in here that likes to pace around? I like to do that. Maybe they were pacing around while Jesus was talking or teaching them. But it says that by the end of it, it says they all gathered around Jesus. They must have encircled him, but whatever he was saying caused them to come close. It caused them to become inquisitive. It ignited their imagination. They began to think. They began to see a vision for something that could be possible. But I think overall what ended up happening was they had spent all this time with Jesus. They knew they had a purpose. But as he began to speak about restoration, they saw themselves in it. They saw themselves as a part of it. They said, I want to be a part of that. I want to have a role in bringing that to past. I'm going to share a story. Does anybody in this place know about Craig Rochelle? You guys ever heard that name before? Craig Rochelle? It's okay if you haven't. He's a pastor down in Oklahoma. Um, they have many, his church has many campuses now. But I want to share a little story about a big idea that Craig Rochelle had when they first started their church. You see, Craig planted this vision in his team about uh, helping people in Bible literacy. And his big vision was that he wanted to bring to the digital world, he wanted to bring the Bible to the digital world in the same magnitude and way that the printing press brought the Bible to the world. He said, I want to make, I want to make that change. I want to make that move for God's word, but in the digital age. And so his team, they began to build a website. And they put the Bible on this website, and it didn't do very well. It didn't do very well at all. But this was about the time that mobile phones were getting popular. It wasn't like it is today, but they were getting popular, and the idea of using the internet on your phone was common enough where they said, let's, let's tailor this website to a cell phone. So they made a mobile version of the app, and it did okay. It, it was something they're, they're, they're like, we can live with this. But it's certainly not on the scale of the printing press, right? And then one of his pastors, knowing the uh, big idea that Craig had, came into his office one day and said, look, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't know where this is going to go. But there's this company called Apple, and they're launching this thing called an app store in like a week. And I think it'd be cool if we put the Bible on there, if we were the first ones to get the Bible on the app store. So they had this 19-year-old intern that was working part-time, and they said, hey, 
can you build this Bible app in a week? And he's like, sure, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So the intern built the app and they got it on the app store and they didn't really think anything of it for a few days. And then they opened up the app store uh, interface on their computer and they had, I think, 87,000 downloads in three days. Do you know what that app is called today? I'm pretty sure many of you have it on your phone. It's version. And you know what their goal is now? They are on track to get 1 billion downloads. 1 billion downloads of the Bible app on mobile phones. But where did that all start? Where did that all start? It started with somebody who is willing to think big for the kingdom of God. And when he thought big for the kingdom of God, people said, I can do something. I can help with that. Maybe it was a 19-year-old intern that said, I can build that app. Maybe it was a pastor saying, I know what your vision is, and here's an opportunity that we have. Here's the point. When we think big, people begin to see themselves in it. And can I say something that may be hard to hear? This is for all of us. This is big church C. I think sometimes the church doesn't think big enough. I think sometimes the church doesn't think big enough. We have a big God. Look what the disciples got excited about. They thought Jesus was getting, re- getting ready to restore the entire kingdom to Israel. That's a big deal. That is not a small task. We're talking about entire nations being overthrown to bring that to pass. But they said, oh, but, but God. But God's here. But Jesus is here. Therefore, it's possible. And I just wonder if sometimes people are waiting for us to think even bigger. Because when we do that, they say, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. You know, people have these gifts. They have these talents that have been dormant in their lives for years years and years. And sometimes I wonder if they're just waiting for a God-sized vision to come before them. So all of a sudden they know, oh, this is why I was created. This is why I have this gift or this talent. It was for that right there. You see, when we communicate the vision with people, it ignites something inside of them. And it draws them in to become a part of the work of God. And that's where people find their purpose, is in working for the kingdom of God. Would you look, with, uh, look at Acts 1, 12 through 14 with me? It says this, just a little bit later on. It says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were, they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, John, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. HRCC, this is a simple one. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. I know it may sound way too simple, but it's true. We can never give up our prayer life as a church. You know that without prayer, we have nothing, right? Without prayer, we have nothing. Everything that we accomplish was first started in the prayer room. It was first started in the prayer room. One thing I want to encourage you with is this. I think a lot of times in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 takes the spotlight. That's what everyone's excited to read. It's almost like we thought Luke was just penning Acts 1 just to get it out of the way so he can get to the good part of Acts 2. 
right? The day of Pentecost, speaking in tongues, fire falling, all this stuff happening. But actually, I don't think Luke was in a rush. Acts 1 was not just to get to Acts 2. Acts 1 was important. And oftentimes, the day of Pentecost overshadows the prayer service that happened before it. The day of Pentecost overshadows the days and days of prayer that the disciples engaged in before that ever happened. You see, prayer is not a filler. Prayer is a focal point. Prayer is not a filler. Prayer is a focal point. It wasn't just something that Luke put in there to get to the second chapter. He said, no, this right here, what happened here, is important. It's important. We need this to have this. You need chapter 1 to have chapter 2. Prayer is not a filler. It's a focal point. This won't be on the screen, but just a synopsis. Later in the book of Acts, there's this issue where they find out that people aren't being fed equally at the soup kitchen that they had for widows. And so people bring this to, to Peter. And they say, Peter, we need to do something about this. We need to fix the problem. So Peter says, why don't you go and find some people that are full of the Spirit and lay hands on them and commission them to go and to serve and to fix this problem that's happening there. But you know what Peter says? He says, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. But he also says in there, That he says not to neglect the word of God and he says prayer in another translation. Not to neglect the ministry of the word of God and prayer to go and wait on tables. Now certainly I don't think Peter was demeaning uh, that service because the people that went to do it were full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, They were anointed. They laid hands on them to go and do it. But I think what we see there is that Peter is highlighting the importance of prayer in the church. And he said, we've been called to do this as an actual ministry. And so, yes, it would be easy for me to go and fix this problem right now and step away from what God's called me to do. But in fact, this is something that is real ministry work that we need to stay in and we will commission others to go and do the work that is being brought before us. And one other thing that I want to point out that we see in this this first chapter of Acts with Prayer is that it says, the key verse says that they were all together united in prayer. They were all together united in prayer. Now on the surface, I think that we often would go to the the simple conclusion, which was they were united, which means they were in the same place, right? They were literally, spatially, all together at the same time in prayer. But I think that there's something else that Luke was referring to here. You see, the word united means to to be of one mind. It means to be of one mind. Everyone in the room that was praying was so in sync with their prayers, listen to this, it was as if they shared one brain. Think about that for a second. When Luke said they were united in their prayers, 
They weren't just around each other praying at the same time. They were all praying the same thing with the same fervor and the same zealousness as if they were sharing one mind together. And here's the thing that's amazing about that. Later on, Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. He says, we have the mind of Christ. So you know what you need to include in that situation? You need to include in that the mind of Christ. When they were praying together corporately, they were so in sync, they were praying the will of God together. They were praying the will of God together. Because when, we, when prayer is un, united, prayer is anointed. When prayer is united, prayer is anointed. Do not forsake the Wednesday gathering, the Wednesday prayer gathering that happens right there in the back of the room. Don't forsake the Sunday morning gathering that meets right before we meet here as a church on Sunday morning. Why? Because the prayer gathering, that's not a filler. That's a focal point. Without that, you don't have this. Without prayer, you don't have the move of God. Prayer is what sets up the move of God. So don't stop praying. The last one is this. Don't stop seeking the gifts of God. In Acts chapter 2, as we just referenced, we get the day of Pentecost. It's a day that we love as Pentecostals, right? We love the outpouring of the Spirit. When I think of the day of Pentecost, I think of uh, something that Scott and I actually did. I think it was last summer, if not two summers ago. Uh, someone asked Scott if we could help them to cut down a huge lot of trees. There's hundreds and hundreds of trees. Some of them were big, some of them were really small. And so, in our naiveness, we said, yeah, sure, we'll do that. So we showed up to this truck lot. They were trying to clear out some space to get more trailers in there. And uh, we had a sawzall, and we had a falling apart chainsaw, and I think we had a couple hand saws. And we, we got going, we got about, you know, 0.5% of the way in, and realized we did not have the tools that we needed to do this job. So, the next time we got there, we're getting ready to get set up, Scott pulls out brand new Ryobi chainsaw, takes it out of the box, new chain on it, and we started ripping through those trees. It changed everything. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but when you start a new project, don't you always go out and get something new for the project? Whether you're working on your car or you're building something or it's something new for tech or you're remodeling your house, all of a sudden you're like, well, if I'm gonna do this, I need a new tool. I need a new tool to actually do this. And that's what happens on the day of Pentecost. Jesus is sending the disciples out for a work they have not done yet. They're going to minister without Jesus in person for the first time. He says, you're going to do a new work. You're going to need some new gifts to go and do it with. So that's how we end up with the day of Pentecost, the pouring out of the gifts. As a pastor, one of the most common questions that I have asked to me is, how do I find my spiritual gifts? How do I find my spiritual gifts? We talk about it all the time. We talk about being used by God. We talk about the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. How do I find that? How do I find that? And I think that it's actually 
quite simple. And, and I, this is my testimony how I've seen this work in my life. I've never once had God say, boom, this is the gift that you're going to walk in or this is how I'm going to use you. But it's actually happened this way. Every time I step out and take a risk, step out in faith, God shows up with the gifts that are needed in the moment. You see, this is what happens. I think a lot of times we stay in this place and we say, God, what are the gifts that you have for me? But then the moment we step out and take a risk to minister to somebody or do something new, boom, the gifts are there. Why? Because when you're standing here, you actually don't need the gift. You don't need the gift of prophecy if there's no one there to prophesy to. You don't need the gift of healing if there's no one there to lay hands on. But the moment you say, I'm going to step out in faith because I believe my God is real and he's a healer. And you say, I'm going to pray over your body right now. And you lay hands on them. Boom. Holy Spirit shows up. Right. Because when you step out in faith, God shows up with gifts. When you step out in faith, God shows up with gifts. HRCC. This is a moment. This is a great moment as a church to step into a new area of service, to step into a new area of faith that you have never stepped into before. Now is the time to do it. There is a portion of us that are going out to start a new work in Glen Ellen. And I would encourage you as the body, take this seriously right here. God is looking for you to step out into something new in the body of Christ. And I guarantee this, he has gifts for you. When you step out, he's he's like, I've been waiting to give this to you, but I need you in a position where you actually need that gift so I can put it in your hands so that you can use it. Maybe it's a new area of service. Maybe it's a a new uh, uh, step of uh, faith or risk that you want to take in the body of Christ. Maybe it's praying for the sick or just praying over people. If you step out in faith, God will show up with gifts. One of the things that happens at the day of Pentecost that I find very interesting is after they received the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were speaking in other tongues, they flood out of the place that they were in. And all the people that were there of different nations, they heard the gospel being proclaimed in their own language. And there was two responses that came from the crowd. The first response was, they must be drunk. This is ridiculous, what's happening right here. They must be drunk. To which Peter's response is quite interesting. He says, no, it's too too early for that. (laughs) But then there's another group that says this. What does this all mean? What does this all mean? Do you know what the world is constantly asking that question? They are constantly asking, what does this mean? What does this mean? What does this have to do with the day of Pentecost? Well, Every time God moves in power, every time there's a miracle, every time there's a move of the Holy Spirit, you know there's a deeper revelation within it about who God is? You see, it's not just about the miracle itself. It's not just about the word of prophecy. What it's all about is the fact that behind that, there's a revelation of who God is. So when God moves... We need to be prepared as a church to explain what that means. When someone gets healed in the church, we need to get ready to say, that's because our God is a healer, right? That's the deeper revelation in it. It's not just about the miracle. 
It's about the God that's behind the miracle. I once heard a pastor say that the hand is not far from the face. In the hand is the miracle. In the hand is the, the move of God. But if you look up, you see the face of the one who did it right there. And as the church, we need to say, look, this is what it means. This is what it means right here. The miracle is always just the beginning. It was never just about the supernatural gift of speaking in another language. Yeah, that was great. What was the real revelation in it? It was about the God that was revealed in it. The gospel that was revealed in it. The miracle is always just the beginning. Well, where does this all lead us to? We do all these things. And in Acts chapter 5, we find the result of all this. As the church, as we are faithful to think big, as we're faithful to pray, as we're faithful to seek the gift of God, the world will not stop being attracted to the church. The world will not stop being attracted to the church. Look at Acts chapter 5, 12 through 15. It says this. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. One thing that Luke does that I don't know why, but I'm a total nerd and geek for, is Luke does a lot of contrast within his writings. If you pay close attention, you'll notice that he'll contrast things within sections of chapters and, and overall narratives to make a theological point. And we, we just read chapter 5 where people are bringing the sick out to the streets so that Peter's shadow would fall on them. But in Acts 3, many of you may know the story of the beggar that was lame and was sitting outside of the temple courts because his friend had brought him there. And you see, Luke is trying to make a point here. The lame man whose friend had brought him, where did he take him to? He took him to the temple. Why to the temple? Because the temple was where they knew that's where God's presence dwelt. The temple. I don't know if you remember, I preached a whole like six-week series on temples. This was kind of the main point of the whole thing, was that God dwells in temples. So his friend takes him there because that's where his needs can be met. That's where his brokenness can be taken care of, takes him to the temple. Well, on the way in, Peter and John are getting ready just to go to morning prayer, and they see this man there. And Peter walks up to him, and he says to him, Gold and silver I have not, but this I do stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. And the man stands up, and he's healed. And he says he goes into the temple, and he's rejoicing, and he's dancing around, and people are seeing this man was just healed. But Peter is quick to remind them, this man was not healed by anything I have within myself. This man was healed by the power of Jesus and in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, one thing I just want to 
warn us of is this. I think Peter has a lot of wisdom when he says to the man, he says, gold and silver I have not. Peter immediately realizes, within my own power, I do not have the ability to change this. I do not have within myself the ability to change your situation. But I know someone who does. But I know someone who does. Why is that important? Because as the church, I think a pitfall that we we get into all the time is we feel like it's our responsibility to change people's lives. We take the burden on ourselves. I need to fix this. When someone brings a problem, I need to fix this. And we stress ourselves out. It becomes a burden, a burden to us. And we get burnt out because we're trying to operate in our own strength. But Peter, right from the get-go, realizes, I don't have the ability to do that. But I know someone who does. But right there, Luke's already making a point. The healing happened outside of the temple. The healing already happened outside of the temple. God's presence is now in a place where it wasn't before. It's outside of the temple. And then we fast forward to Acts chapter 5. Now where are people bringing the sick? Out on the streets. Because this is the win right here. Church, this is the win. The moment people start saying, that is where God's presence is, When they look at the church and they say that is where God's presence is, they're no longer saying it's in the temple. They're saying that man right there who's a follower of Jesus, he's the one that carries the presence of God. What happens when they look at us as Christians and they say there is somebody because they follow Jesus, they have the presence of God. That's the win. That's the win. That's the shift that we're looking for. Well, the world says they are the ones that carry the presence of God. And this is the part that I love. It changes where they go. It changes where they go. No longer do they go to the bars to find comfort. They say, let's go to the people of God. Let's go to the people of God. They stop going to tarot card readers to try to figure out what their purpose is. They say, Let's go to the people of God because that's where God's presence dwells. That's where God speaks. That's where I can hear the voice of my creator is among his people. HRCC, in all this, I realized that we're really not that different at all. Yeah, we're going to go start a new church, but we're going to be doing the same thing as you. We're going to be dreaming with God. We're going to be praying with God. We're going to be seeking the gifts of God. And we're going to be known in the community as ones that carry the presence of God in a real, intangible way. Amen. 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 HRCC, I love you. Thank you. Before we close today, we want to have a time of prayer over the launch team for Access Church. I'm going to read just a couple of verses also from the book of Acts. We're going to speak to you guys 
next Sunday from this passage as well. It's Acts chapter 13. and describes one of these early churches. It says, Now in the church of Antioch there were prophets and there were teachers. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. We feel like through much fasting and much prayer, the Holy Spirit has said, set apart for me. Set apart for me Garrett and Keila. And he's added to that list. Set them apart for me to the, for the work to which I have called them. So now it falls to us to place our hands on them and send them off. Garrett, could you uh, just bring your, your launch team forward and introduce them? I'm not, I know not everybody is present right at this moment, but yeah. probably you want to do that. If you're part of the launch team, would you just come forward? You guys could just line up right in front of the pulpit here. Keila, why don't you come down front and center? I'm going to have you and Garrett there in a moment, if you would. This is quite a crew, eh? HRCC, I want you to look at this launch team. There's a few less familiar faces here. We just got to know Jacob a couple months ago. He'll be launching the HRCC campus in Germany when he goes back home. <laughs> We just got to know Joelle uh, over the course of the last month or so. She's a, a freshman at Wheaton College and is going to be a part of the ministry at Access Church. But most of the rest of this crowd is well known and has been for many years at HRCC. Take a look at the faces here. These people have led ministries, they've prayed for us. When you've been sick, they've been the ones that have called you to see how you're doing or showed up at your doorstep with a meal. Uh, when you've gone to a Sunday school class or a small group, many of the faces here are the ones that have welcomed you to their home or led that class or led that teaching. They've led us in worship. They've rocked our babies in the nursery. They've rocked our teenagers at youth group. Uh, a different version of the word rocked there. <laughs> they've done a lot of things. They've done a lot of things. And they leave in their wake here at HRCC a wake of blessing. Amen. Yes. We've been encouraged by these people. Yes. And a lot of opportunity for us to grow. Right? Yeah. A lot of opportunity for us to grow. And so I want to grab, grab hold of that. Garrett, I mean, we're excited for you. Um, so would it be cool if next Sunday we all just show up in Glen Ellen? <laughs> Amen. Is that how this... <laughs> Yeah, that, that would be great, but I, I do want to comment on that for a moment. Um, I'm not sure, I, we may have mentioned this, but if not, we are still awaiting what's called a special use permit from the city of Glen Ellen to operate. Last uh, Thursday, or just a few days ago on Thursday, I went before the zoning commission, and they gave a unanimous yes to us, okay? Amen. Now that has to go before the village board, and that's probably going to go right through without any comment, all right? But that's not going to happen until the end of October. All right, so we're going to be there next week, but we're going to be there as a launch team that is practicing. All right, it is not open to the public. We're not advertising it. 
and we're begging you, please do not come. <laughs> because if you do, there may not be an access church in Glen Ellen, okay? So please do not come. Um, and I'm sure Dan will let you know we actually officially launch, but we are laying low until we have that, that permit in hand. All right. Life is funny, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, church, we're going to lay our hands on these people and we're going to pray for them. I would invite just anybody who, anybody who would to come forward and gather here at the front of the church. Uh, if you want to stay in your seats this morning, you're certainly welcome to that. Garrett, go stand by your wife. But anybody who would like to be a part of this prayer time, come forward. We need at least enough to gather around this crew and lay hands on them. Uh, I'm going to ask Ben to come back up to the platform by me, too. So there's one other connection that I'm going to just tell um, briefly this morning. Garrett has many times through the years told me the story of how when he was in high school, he went on a missions trip with this church. He was a student attending here, went on a missions trip, came home from that missions trip on fire for God and decided he wanted to get involved with the Bible study at his school. He went to the administration at Downers Grove South to find out how that would work. And he said, well, there already is a Bible study that meets before school. It's, met, it's led by a student a year or two older than you. His name is Ben Wagner. And Carmen. <laughs> Carmen, you were not leading the Bible study. That way. Um, but it's led by Ben Wagner. And uh, Garrett um, has told me many times through the years how Ben was one of the first people in his life who really mentored him in how to prepare Bible studies and how to teach. Uh, in some cases, and there's funny stories about this, how to actually find the right verse in the Bible that you're supposed to be reading on that morning, First John 3. Amen, I hear some stories about that. <laughs> um, but here we have uh, a young man who was an, an early mentor in the life of, can you believe, Pastor Garrett used to not know how to find the verses in the Bible. Are we loving that? There's hope for us all. So I've asked Ben if he would just, Ben has experience in church planning ministry as well, and he's going to lead us in prayer as we lay hands on these folks. Dear God, we just thank you for Garrett. Mm -hmm. Thank you for his family, and we thank you for this team, this launch team that's yes. being set apart. God, we just pray that you would... Um, just continue to bless them, continue to bless them as they go through and try to get permits and, and all the logistics of that. God, we just know that you are you're already working in and through that. And so we thank you for the testimony of just this past Thursday, just getting clearance. God, I just pray that you would just continue to work in that. And we, we pray over Glen Allen. We pray um, yes. just for opportunity for families that are maybe just moved in or may, maybe they've been mm. living there for quite some time. But God is as Access Church just comes in and yes. um, begins to just be the church in, in that community. God, I just pray that you would, um, yeah, that you would use them, that they would be the light mm -hmm. and that there would just be a radical shift in Glen Allen, uh, a radical shift in, of just your power and, and of your spirit within yes. that community and Hallelujah. that you would use Hallelujah. this team, Hallelujah. that you would use um, Pastor Garrett just as uh his leadership, God, that, that there would just be so many opportunities of um, just your spirit just coming, speaking through him, th speaking through the team, and, and yeah, just doing amazing works. God, we know that, um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to separate. It's hard to be, um, to have that aspect, but knowing also that you are, you've been preparing them, you've been pre preparing this team to be set apart from HRCC, God. So we just thank you for that. We thank you for the vision and um, all that you've been planting in their hearts, 
And yeah, would you just help them and continue to empower them as they go through this transition and just believing, dreaming big and believing that, that yeah, you're going to do something crazy, um, miraculous, and we have no idea what that's going to look like. But God, we just thank you. Hallelujah. In your name we pray. Amen. And Father, it's our amens today that say we see, we see, we recognize, we know, we hear, we understand, Lord. That, that you have great plans for Access Church Glen Ellen. You have great plans for Hobson Road Community Church Downers Grove. You have great things in store for your church. When you send, you are faithful. When you send, you are faithful. And we thank you for all that you are doing in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. I know we're running late. I know we're running late. I'm going to ask uh, the non-launch team to sit down because I have one more thing I need to say just before I go to dismissal. So if you're not part of the launch team, oh, get out of here. <laughs> Fine then, he says. <laughs> <laughs>